0: Welcome to Soul Science. The shift, the time, the movement. So you did go to Live from Los Angeles, I am completely honored on this podcast to begin to bring forth some of my most amazing, incredible, badass, spiritually-based entrepreneurs, and no one better to launch this series with the queen herself, Gina DeVee. She is the founder of Divine Living. She is the OG of Empowering Women. She has been doing this for longer than the majority of all the girls I know that have been doing this. So I am really excited about this conversation because- today her book launches which is the audacity to be queen the unapologetic art of dreaming big that's right and manifesting your most fabulous life so i am i mean i'm just going to be a student today i'm just going to ask you you are my mentor right now right here and it's so i'm so honored to be here with you
1: oh erin it's amazing to be here and
0: thank you so much for having me amazing so tell us i want to just break it down In, I want to pretend like I'm in fourth grade and I want to know what it is. What's your definition of a queen?
1: My definition of a queen is a woman who is living her best life, her fully expressed life and her most enjoyable life while making a contribution.
0: Well, yeah, that's definitely a queen. So (laughs) I want to know one thing is, because I know for me personally, I, I feel like I've Claimed my queenism, but I feel like I can always get, I can always become more of a queen, if you will. All of us, (laughs) right? More expressed, more just claiming the abundance of everything from financially to love, to our community, to all the above. But I know for me, there was many years where I definitely did not know that I was queen. I definitely I had bulimia, I was in codependent relationships. I struggled, even though I was making money, I would hoard it and kind of like I was afraid to actually be in flow with money. Mm-hmm. And so I want to know what was your personal journey from not being a queen to being a hot,
1: hot mess central. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my personal journey, you know, I think like all of us, we, we start out as these little girls who are excited about living a big life and all that's possible and think that we can do anything. And then life happens and conditioning happens and sometimes traumas happen and we forget who we are. We forget the queen within and we also forget source along the way as well. And we start making other people or our past situations or what our perceived failures source and indicators that we can't, we're not enough, it'll never happen. And thus the downward spiral. So I grew up. My parents were school teachers. I grew up in the Midwest, in the suburbs of Detroit, and always dreamed of living this bigger life. And um, you know, and then my conditioning set in. You know, you can't go to the college you want because it's too expensive. So you have to go to an in-state college. And you know, uh, you that that's sort of where it started. And then I finally freed myself from, uh, with all due respect, to anybody who lives in Kalamazoo, Michigan. <laughs> I freed myself from Western Michigan University and got myself to Washington, D.C., where it seemed like people were really living a big life. And that was my first indicator of what it looked like when people were up to big things in the world. And I landed a position, I was an intern at the First Lady's office in the White House. So I got to see, this was the Clinton administration, so I got to see the First Lady up front, her Chief of Staff, Deputy Chief of Staff, Press Secretary, and I was just really lit up by these women who were playing a very big game in the world. And I knew that that sparked my initial desire for something really big, really powerful uh, as an adult.
0: Wow. That's cool. I didn't, I have no idea that you did that. And we're, we're girlfriends. Like we have some amazing girlfriends that all hang out that are one of my favorite things about my own development. It was like a surprise, like a cherry on top of the cake was having such amazing women around me. And that's like, but I didn't even know that about you.
1: Yep. I worked at the White House, the Supreme Court, Harvard's Institute of Politics. So I really started my career um, from a place of wanting to make the world a better place.
0: Right. So one of the things that I love about you is that you were one of the first people that I saw that was based in spirituality. I mean, you have divine living, so obviously spiritually based, but also claiming your birthright of prosperity. And I think that this is, it's something new in the genre. And it's, it's definitely like my favorite genre because I believe that as long as we're working for the highest good and we, you know, we make sure we take care of Mother Earth and we do stuff like that, that we can have our birthright of prosperity. In fact, the very first time I met you, you were holding an event at, where was it, the Fair, Fairmont down uh-huh. in Santa Monica. Uh-huh. And it was this beautiful event. And I, and I remember just thinking, I'd only seen men do that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really and truly, you were one of the first women that I saw doing an event that was a higher end event. And I thought, wow, you know, and I thought, well, she's got some balls, you know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, No joke, right? So when was it that you, you know, because a lot of us also the programming around, for me, I know I did was catch a man, have him pay for everything, and, you know, still have your interests, but never really considering like, oh, I could actually do this regardless if I have a love or if I don't or whatever's there. Was it something that you had to actively choose to do or how do you train women to get over that kind of programming?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, I'm 47. And so I think that many of us who are my age and maybe even different ages, we had mothers who were taught that if you want to get ahead in life, you marry a wealthy man. And whenever my mother and I would go shopping, she would always tell me from a little girl, Gina, you have expensive taste. You better marry a wealthy man. It never occurred to her to tell me, you better learn how to make a lot of money yourself. Because that just wasn't in the consciousness for women. And it's not that she didn't think I could do it. It just wasn't the vocabulary. So the training was, you better marry a wealthy man. Well, I was totally available for that. I still wouldn't be opposed to it, even though I am happily married right now. Uh, it just wasn't my, my dharma. It wasn't my path. So what happened was, after I experienced the best of what Washington had to offer, I also, I worked for some other people who I haven't mentioned and won't and saw the underbelly of Washington, um, which had me be a witness to certain things where I got deposed, subpoena, and had to testify before the grand jury. So went from like, Washington's fabulous, and I was like going to helicopter, take off state dinners uh, to basically being excommunicated. So I like crawled back to Detroit living at home with my parents. Like, what am I going to do? I was just at the White House. Nothing's ever going to compare, right? So like spiritual lesson number one, when you make where you're working your identity, Mm -hmm. you're going to get screwed up because when that goes away, then your identity goes away. And that's what happened for me. I placed completely placed my identity on where I worked. Right. So that went away and I was just this like ladybug on her back and depressed. Like, what do I do? What do I do? And uh, I went to therapy three times a week for a year. And then when that just became, I couldn't bear to tell people that any longer. Like, what are you up to? Well, my third session this week. So I found a master's degree in clinical and humanistic psychology because that was a societally acceptable warranted year of personal development. I had no interest in becoming a therapist. I was just like this, I get to work on myself for a year and it'll sound good to people. So I was in this accelerated program and that's really where I started to really find myself. Um, I, I did grow up in the church in a, in a Christian environment, so I always had a faith and a relationship with God, but I hadn't didn't have the psychological development. So they were sort of separated. And during this year, I, in, in that year of development, I started to really integrate psychologically and spiritually, and, and started to become um, who I was meant to be. And in that, I became a psychotherapist, which was like, great, this is going to be awesome. Now I can actually make a living helping people, which is the only reason why I went to Washington. It's all I ever really wanted to do. So I didn't realize that when you became a psychotherapist, you became an entrepreneur. And I was like, clients are just going to come, and clients didn't just come. And so I've got seventy-five thousand dollars worth of debt, credit card, tax tax lien, student loans, and like you know, I'm like shucking and jiving and doing sliding scale rates and like trying to get clients. And after a year and a half, I hated helping people, which is not a good place for anyone to be. But I was I was empty. It was all breathing out. There was no breathing in. Talk about codependency. I was like living for. What do? What does everyone else want? What rate is good for you? What schedule is comfortable for you? Like I, I still didn't have a strong sense of self, so I was this broke, struggling psychotherapist who had still had the dream of living the big life, but you know felt like, what am I doing? I'm like living at home with my parents in debt. Like how can I say I'm going to help people? I was I was great at my art, but my life certainly didn't show it. Mm-hmm. So I um, highly believe, sorry for anybody who disagreed. Actually, I don't apologize for anyone who disagree. There's, there may be a lot of people who disagree with what I'm about to say, but I fully believe in geographical cure. And so I got myself out of Detroit and moved to LA, the land of the beautiful and wealthy people, because it just seemed like everyone there was having a great time. Left my psychotherapy license behind and became a life coach because life coaches can charge in packages. So at my counseling clinic, I was making about living off about twenty-four thousand dollars a year. So rather than being consistently broke, I got to be neurotically broke because I would like sell a package one day. I was selling like six thousand dollar packages. Sounds sexy, right? Not when you sell one every you know six months. So it was like, and any day could be the day. It was like gambling. Like you like you might win when you put this quarter in the machine. Anyways, the point was. I started out with a slave girl of a money story. And I I write about the different archetypes in my book a lot because this was just one of the darkest places of my life that money was such a mystery to me. Um, I felt broken, disempowered, embarrassed, ashamed. Money's also like sex, like nobody talks about it. It's like this big secret and then all of a sudden you're just supposed to be great at it and if you're not, it's shameful. It's like, what are we supposed to do? No one ever taught me how, how I could make money in my profession. I thought wealthy people were just celebrities and rock stars and whatever.
0: It's such an interesting thing because I truly believe that spiritual development, business development is the same as spiritual development, which I know you totally concur with. And you've said some really important things, which are just the basics of all spiritual work, which is you know, shifting back to the I am identity and realizing like, we're so caught up in how many followers we have. We're so caught up. And like, if it all goes away, like your career at the White House, like all of a sudden, you're like, who am I? And, and all of a sudden our, our entire self worth crumbles because it's not based in anything. And we know that there's so many courses out there for, for confidence and confidence. We know just really can only come from source. There's just no way. So here you are, you've, you've, gotten more and more clear. And I believe that money is a great, I mean, especially for women, I feel like it's a really important conversation for us to have because I know that even like I saved a million dollars, literally saved a million dollars by the time I was 30, but it doesn't mean that I had a prosperity consciousness because I was still Mm -hmm. kind of hoarding it. Like I was afraid Mm -hmm. it was going to go away right?
1: Mm-hmm. And then,
0: so it, there is like a balance, like where do you actually respect money? Where do you allow it to flow? How do you allow yourself to bring value and bring in service and allow it to come and go and be in circulation and buy assets versus liabilities and invest in your team and invest in relationships that you love and it is a very advanced and it's ongoing it's not like it ever ends and you're like here i've arrived i'm done like it's always this ongoing thing so what is your litmus test to say okay i'm living as a queen in my money because i also don't think that we necessarily need to keep up with you know the jones to feel like we're a rock star and coming up in our ferrari to feel like we're a queen what is, you know, I think that everyone has their own truth, right? So what is your truth? When do you know you're living as the queen that you're in your truth versus when you're like, I'm getting a little bit out of my integrity around my money?
1: Yes. Yes. So when I was um, that struggling life coach, what I really set out to do was because I noticed the people who had money were super masculine in that linear logical way, whether they were guy friends or girlfriends Um, and it seemed so unappealing. It was just this hard driving, like you're talking about competitive, keeping up with, it was so unattractive. I had to admit, so was being broke and all my like feminine energy, spiritual friends who like talked about abundance consciousness, but we were all like totally broke. That was like not fun either. So my question became, where are the women who are wealthy and feminine? And this was back in 2004. So there's much more of a feminine conversation, of course, happening these days. But back then, there wasn't. And, And that became my quest. So to answer your question about where's that fine line between prosperity, desires, abundance, and basically ego trips and binging on stuff. So when you create your wealth based on feminine principles, the feminine is about receiving part of receiving is, is receiving spiritual guidance. Part of the feminine is prioritizing pleasure and desire. The the masculine world would teach us to prioritize practicality, probability, and whatever your financial planner says to do. Well, God is my financial planner and God, it does not, God's spirit, higher power, uh, doesn't seem to follow the same rules uh, as as the financial industry, shall we say. And I like God's way a whole lot better. So what I have found is I'm actually not financially motivated, but I am obsessed with manifesting my desires. Mm -hmm. And whatever the desires are, If the desire is to take a nap, beautiful. If the desire is to spend your summer in the south of France, fine. If your desire is to hire a new team member, great. And if the desire is to move into a home that feels more like your sanctuary than where you're currently at, so be it. Because what I have learned is, as we know, there's no order of difficulty in miracles. Society has placed and named and deemed certain things spiritual and certain things materialistic. And as long as they were separate, my life was a mess because what it meant was I kept God separate from certain parts of my life. If money was over here and then God was over here, if my material lifestyle was over here and God was over here, anywhere that that spirit is not integrated, my life very much looked that way. And so what I had to surrender to was the fact that my desires weren't changing, they weren't going anywhere. I'm super lit up about spiritual development. I'm super lit up about women's empowerment. I'm super lit up about all things, materialism, travel, lifestyle, food, fashion, and all of it. And my process was, I couldn't admit that out loud. Like I was like, that did not sound spiritual in 2004. Like that'd be career suicide. And, um, One of the stories I tell in the book is this was like right when the internet was sort of sparking and like entrepreneurs were so excited about their like split testing and geeking out on AdWords and this and that. And it's like, this is not what I got into this industry for. I wanted to help people. I wanted to help people transform their lives. That's why I became a transformational coach. I didn't realize I had to get involved in this, becoming a business owner for it. And everyone's talking about leaping out of bed in the morning. And at this point, I was like, all I wanted to do was coach and live a great life. That was just what I wanted to do. And I was like, what would actually have me leap out of bed in the morning? Says $75,000 in debt, Gina, who just started being a life coach. And like, it popped up immediately. Because we know our desires. You think you don't know what you want. It's not true. They're all there. You got to give yourself permission. And I was like, if I knew I was going to Italy, I would pop out of bed that morning. If I knew I was getting on a plane to go to the Amalfi Coast, I'd pop out of bed. And I was like, you can't say that. Like, you're supposed to be like, if I knew I could change the lives of 10,000 people, that's what I should be lit up about. Well, you know what, ladies? Some people say that they need to leave their job to do something meaningful. I got to leave mine to do something meaningless. I help people transform their lives 10 hours a day for the last 20 years. Like, give yourself permission to want, it's not just divine... Working, it is divine living also. So all of this to say, God puts these desires in your heart. And if you stop judging them as wrong, you will see where they lead you. And if those desires happen to cost money, so be it. God owns it all anyways. God's well aware of the price tag. And we all just need to get used to being in our feminine and receiving.
0: It's so true. And I I think I'm definitely... Uh, live more my masculine a lot. I mean, especially, you know, going online and launching your business and is, it's a thousand times more complex than business was when I started doing, you know, business offline 20 plus years ago. It Mm -hmm. is very complex. So, but I do think it's really important to stay in that pleasure and make sure that you take the time to do something meaningless and just laugh and be goofy. What I do want to get into for a minute is because the primary people that listen to this podcast are women spiritual coaches. We have men as well, but people that are really interested in spirituality, but also interested in, in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. So I have a few questions because, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. You've Great. worked with a lot of women. You do retreats around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you just, you clearly, you, you have a team. And um, we teach the eight pillars of business. We go through, you know, very structured framework. But I think that one of the biggest things outside of, you know, trying to have birth, of course, we know it all starts in mind. We know that doing the trauma work and birthing our purpose and our mission and all that is the most important thing by miles. The next question that I most commonly get and overwhelm for most people is how am I going to get that first client? What do you teach? How do you teach them?
1: Where are all the high-end clients? Uh, It's probably the number one question I've heard for the majority of the 20 years. And my question back to all of these very well-meaning coaches is, where are all the high-end coaches? Because the real deal is, it's all, I'll get practical because I haven't built what I've built just by mindset alone. So hold on to that part of your brain but it's really about who you are being. It is about being so intentional. It's about being so high vibrational. And it's about seeing things not as they are, but as they could be. If you're a spiritual coach, then you know that there are other realms. And you know, I'm just gonna use God because that's what's comfortable for me. Use what's comfortable for you. I know that my God knows where his people are. And if you have been called to be a spiritual coach, to be a mentor, to be a light in someone's life, I first want to say thank you. There are 7.8 billion people in this world, and you can tell this is a very hurting, impoverished world, and the world needs your special sparkle, enthusiasm, healing powers, uh, peace of mind, and, and ability to teach spiritual connection. So if you're like me and you go through your Instagram feed or Facebook or anything, you might not know anyone who's not a coach. I get it, but let me promise you, it's a much bigger world out there and there's a whole bunch of people that don't even know what coaching is, let alone they're not coaches. So if you have been called to be a coach, I want you to really claim that and own that because that's been a desire that Source put in you and created you for, which can only mean... That there is an abundance of clients for you because why would Source create you to have a particular career in any form of mediocrity? It's not how it happens. It's not how it happens. So if you believe in miracles, which you do if you're here, and if you believe in the bigness of the universe, then you need to know that your people do exist. So when you come from that mindset that it comes from this place of non-negotiable. It is a non-negotiable that your clients exist and you are in absolute and utter faith. That is your internal work to do, to see it and believe it. When I first got started and didn't have any clients, I wanted 10. I thought they'd be amazing to have 10 clients. And you know what I did? I went in my calendar to make it real and I put in like, well, if I had 10 clients, what would this look like? And I put in like on Monday, like 10 a.m. client number one, and then, um, you know, 1130 client number two. And I put in my 10 clients and I sat there and I looked at it and I was proud and I was like, they're a coming. And then I prayed and I meditated and I literally energetically attracted them in. Now, I also took action, which I'm happy to talk about, Erin, if that's what you want. Um, but it starts from this belief because I know the other like when I was the Christian counselor and it's like oh nobody has any money and they can't pay for this and you know that whole mental like I shouldn't charge that much and who am I to do this and what if I give bad advice and all of that. That's a particular vibration and that that's worth it that's a, a crumbly vibration and you're not crumbly you're a child of God. Adjust your crown. And so you know that you're starting your business from a place that your people exist Mm -hmm. and that you are there to have them find you easily.
0: I completely concur. I think it's all about embodiment and a lot of things we do with the girls will train back and forth with one another, do the processes, get testimonials from each other. And when you just even do that and you're in the vibration of I am a coach, I am, this is what I do and I've actually had transformation for somebody and I'm a firm believer of, you know, do pro bonos first if you need to, to get in the embodiment of it, to master the transformation, to do whatever and do it as an exchange, never do it without an exchange. There's got to be an exchange but even just to just just to believe that you're you're capable because it's a concept for people a lot of times out there and if they can experience it then they can embody it
1: absolutely and then like you can't be for i mean depending on who your clients are but if you're spiritual coaches i've got a pretty good idea who your ideal client is and they're either on instagram or linkedin it's like that simple go spend two hours doing a search and you'll have more leads to follow up with than you'll have time for in a week.
0: So why don't we talk about that? What do you do on LinkedIn? Cause I think a lot of us, I would say 90% of my business has come off of Instagram mm-hmm. and majority of the women are Instagram. What is the difference? Would you say between LinkedIn and Instagram for lead gen?
1: Sure, um, it's who your person is. So I work, you know, s- same with me. I have, most of my people come off of Instagram. Um, however, I work with a lot of people who their ideal client is someone who's in corporate. So if you are looking to, if you're a spiritual coach and you want to help someone in corporate deepen their intuition or start a meditation practice. Um, they're going to be more on LinkedIn and that that's where they're comfortable. That's where they're consuming information, watching videos, reading articles, et cetera. So that's why I say LinkedIn. Yep, totally. And that's where your people are.
0: I think it is true. And I think a lot of um, the girls, you know, the more they send Instagram, it's a lot of, a lot of our community on Instagram are, are people that want to be in coaching. So go off that platform into the place where, you know, people are seeking. And I think it's such common, common knowledge now, like doing subconscious work and releasing your limited beliefs. And I mean, I've worked with a lot of CEOs and it's it's common, it's common sense now, which is so cool because science and spirituality are coming together. Okay. So next thing I want to, I want to ask you about is, um, is your husband. You know, I think that there's a lot of women and in today's world, I've been inquiring more and more into relationship because look, we know that, It doesn't mean anybody's happier if they're in relationship or not, meaning that, yes, relationships are what have us fulfilled, but just because somebody's married does not mean that they're happily married. In fact, it's the opposite. A lot of women in particular actually don't do as well in marriage, but it doesn't mean that relationships still, we know, is one of the foundational things for having a fulfilled life. So I would love to find out and have you, you know, give us your viewpoint of how to be a queen in relationship or whether you're single or whether you're dating or whether you're married.
1: Yes. So, um, one of the reasons why the relationship with my husband works so well is it started at the beginning and I got rid of my outdated rules. I got rid of rules that were not part of my own soul contract. They were part of my conditioning. And one of them was that you need to marry a wealthy man. Um, Like like I said, I Mm -hmm. would have been fine with it, but I think spirit knew better, and that I would be sitting poolside with a drink, with an umbrella in my drink, and I would not be making the contributions that I am, writing books and coaching people because I'd be lazy if I just didn't. And at the beginning, didn't have to do this. Um, So when I realized that who I fell in love with and who my soulmate was, uh, well, he had actually made a lot of money, but he divorced very badly. So by the time we hooked up, he didn't have any, he had less than money. We'll just say it that way. And he, he, he broke all the rules. I was supposed to marry a 30, I was 32 at the time. 36-year-old Italian, or Mediterranean is fine, black hair, green eyes, house on Lake Como, was going to be a rock star. Like, I had my intention, my vision board. I knew how this stuff worked at that point, um, and obviously had more money than me. Well, ladies, I got a blonde-haired, blue-eyed chiropractor from Michigan who had been married twice before and has kids my age. So,
0: universe, yeah, the universe has a bigger, better plan.
1: Well, I was not clear on that message at that time, and I was like, "There's no way this is my soulmate." And when I did the deeper inquiry, and I started to really take a look at what's actually important to to my soul, not my checklist in relationship. And the first thing I had to look at was like, "Okay, that he makes more money than me—is that really like a?" Important quality would have been a nice quality, but it, I was like, I can make the money. Why does he have to make more money? And then I found, you know, went through marriage, kids, and like previously married kids, the whole thing. Um, And then I really got then rock star, but that was another important one to me. Like I was gonna marry a rock star.
0: Don't do it. I've been with (laughs) (laughs) one. Don't recommend that at all. My
1: thirty-two year old self was (laughs) unconvinced, and but until I did the deeper work, and I went and I I actually did a weekend workshop, and I I did this really real deep dive. And what I realized why I was so obsessed with rock stars was that I was trying to marry who I desired to become. And that the truth for me in relationship was not that I wanted to go show up at someone else's gigs, that I wanted to be a rock star in my own life, and I wanted my man to be with me and show up at my gigs. Talk about a 180. Talk about shock factor.
0: Right. Well, they said that the universe will give us not necessarily what we want, but what we need. So, Yeah.
1: So I, but when I met Glenn, I was collecting, I was doing deep soul work and I was collecting all these awarenesses. And then when I had to really take a look at, so what were the qualities that were important to me? He like had them and then some, and it freed me to be my whole self in relationship because I wasn't projecting onto someone else what I actually desired for myself. And you know, I mean, I don't mean to, uh, this can sound a little bit boring, but my husband and my marriage is the easiest part of my life. Um, mm-hmm. we, we zig and zag together. He's, he was a chiropractor. Then when my business took off, he became the CEO of the company. So we live together, we work together, we travel the world together. We just like each other. We just like being together. Um, we're two big personalities. And I think one of the keys to our successful relationship, like, if, like, we're like big personalities. And like, we actually, we had a flare up this morning. He was like, and I'm like, and it's like, and then it's done. So we handle anything and everything in the moment. And we're like fully expressed. And then it's fully resolved.
0: What's interesting though, because I think he's an amazing man. I've spent time with you guys, obviously. And, um, and you can tell, you know, you can tell, when you're around people that there's an authentic, like you guys are equals and you're good friends and there's not some false kind of uh, transactional, if you will, versus transcending Mm -hmm. thing going on. And it's another one of the cherries on top of the cake that's happened in advancing my own life and becoming really the woman that I've always desired to be is The people around me actually, a lot of people have good relationships. You know, they're not the you know transactional ones that we see a lot. And I think I was the same way. You know, I think a lot of us women we were we were programmed to think you know some man's going to come and rescue us and save us and take care of us, and it doesn't always show up like that. And I think it's great that you let go of those paradigms and started listening to what really mattered. Mm -hmm. And what really matters is being with a, a good person and you know fulfilling upon your dreams and making sure that that person is supportive and that you're expanding together so that it's it's very inspiring when i'm around you guys and i can tell you guys generally really are best friends and i think Mm -hmm. that is an important message for people out there to get so how long did it take was it something that you kind of questioned at first and then you kind of like so i think that because i think there's also the facade that someone's like oh i'm just going to know the minute i meet them right so how long (laughs) did it take for you to be like right
1: well, he says he knew the minute. Um, no, I mean, it, how long did it take? I mean, months. Like, he was he was pursuing me, and I was like, oh, God, th- you know, this guy is nice, but he really needs to, like, go. And I actually told him on our first non-date that I guess was a date, but it wasn't a date. <laughs> That's hilarious. Our first dinner, we'll say it that way, because we can at least agree on that. On our first dinner, he he, he had no, he had actually like shown up at my workshop and he had kind of, he had known me from like a different context. And so he said, I love everything about you. And I was like, Oh, I was like, look, you know, nothing about me. I knew he had recently been divorced. I was like, um, I've just moved to California. We were in Michigan at the time. I've just moved to California. I'm, I'm going back there. I'm just here to present this workshop and, um, I'm going to get married and have kids, you know, and he's like, you know, I'd like to have another kid. And I was like, oh God, this poor guy. Like he just, I was like, there's someone perfect for you. Um, But like, I think, and I said like the cheesiest thing. I'm like, I just need to go journal about this. Like, don't call me. I'll call you thinking that would just like buy some time. And uh, he ended up like sending me this huge thing about flowers and like he pursued, pursued. Um, But that night at dinner, the veil lifted and I heard he's the one and I went and I grabbed was it that the veil. second
0: cocktail or was it? No, <laughs> it was, I don't
1: even know if I was drinking that night. Like just I went pulling pulled that nail down and I was like, the hell he is. I have not waited this long. Remember for that? Like, this is so not my first husband. So I'm like, get back to California. And, um, let's see, that was probably October. I, it, he pursued me relentlessly. And I think that by it took a couple of months for me to finally be like okay this is so I say
0: this is one of the common denominators because I, I really do actually I'm, I'm so inquisitive about consciousness and success and everything that I literally do interview my good my girlfriends that I just think are amazing and one of the common denominators I found is that it is that it really was the man pursuing and I kind of am a I'm a firm believer that there is almost something biological with the man. And this is not truth and it's not science. It's something that, that it seems true for me that it feels like the man just knows. And if he doesn't have that, I almost feel like it just doesn't have the kind of glue that it's going to take to sustain. And I feel like that's the one kind of must have that I feel as if the man really needs to be clear. And if he hasn't done his inner work, he probably won't be clear.
1: Sure. Well, I, you know, I think that every woman gets to choose what her priority or non-negotiable or desire is in a relationship. One thing I was very clear on is that I wanted to be claimed. I don't know where that word came from. I think spirit landed. Like, so in all of that to agree with you, Erin, like I, I wanted to be pursued. I wanted to be, I didn't realize it was all going on at the time. You know, then there's the irony, like, I, I was like off looking for this other guy who was going to claim me and here was Glenn, like doing all the work. Um, so I was finally able to see it. And yes, that was one of the, I wanted a man who was in his empowered masculine because I mm-hmm. knew I wanted to be in my empowered feminine and, and to the degree in partnership that, um, the, that for me, my partner, to the degree that he wouldn't be in his empowered masculinity, I would go into overdrive and I would go into the masculine. And so that's why it was very important to me that um, my partner was like all about initiating, pursuing, claiming, leading, and... uh, And I'm
0: sure it's it's unique for each person. I don't think that that is a true, like we're talking about kind of are the way that it works for us not necessarily for it's not a truth like an ultimate truth okay so incredible so i wanted i want to know so if somebody gets your book because it came out today it's going to be coming out today right what 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 can they expect like what really is it that they're going to what can they expect their takeaways as to what what they're what they're going to get from the book
1: such a juicy question okay so this book the audacity to be queen so you get that. The unapologetic art of dreaming big and manifesting your most fabulous life. I am very open, personable, humble, some people say hilarious throughout this journey because I, you know, people are my books, and I've learned from my own journey and I've learned from being in the transformational space for the last 20 years. So what you're going to learn is that the epic life is possible for you. You're gonna learn that spirituality is your superpower. You're gonna totally learn how to be in your empowered femininity and what femininity actually is. And you're gonna get really clear on all things queen. So what it looks like, not for me or not for Aaron, but what it looks like for you to be the queen of your life. Then you're going to meet all these really fascinating archetypes along the way who pull all of us, myself included, out of our queenhood? So you're gonna lo- you're gonna be introduced to the slave girl, the martyr, the saboteur, the roller coaster rider, the secret s- shopper. They're like there's like so many that there's the ghost in communication. There's the bitch. There's like so many of these archetypes that pull us out of our queenhood not to I'm mention- like that
0: all day long like it's like one <laughs> of the no just kidding I, geez, I used to be like that it was like all the storm all in one day I was like what am uh-huh. I day today myself and now it's like a very stable like yeah girls you know have at it I'm here yeah
1: it's uh yeah no more time no more princess time for us ladies and um so you're gonna learn you're going to be able to more clearly identify when someone else is running the show, one of these lower vibrational archetypes and then how to get yourself back into queenhood real quickly. There's prayers, there's meditations, there's step-by-step, there's tools, there's mantras, there's, um, there's really fun and funny stories. And particularly for you entrepreneurs, you're, as Erin was saying, like if you want the best personal development seminar on the planet, start your own business. Um, Cause that's where the spiritual growth comes from. So you're going to hear all of my like, down and out rise to fame fall flat on my face mess up succeed so you'll get a lot of the personal juicy stories as well
0: so cool and i wish that more people would begin to get that i think if there's one takeaway from this for for me and for all of us is like if we just looked at the entrepreneurship as we are in the course like this is our daily practice and this is the course and it it, like you said it's the most advanced beautiful course and so as you struggle, as you hit those walls, as you want to give up, that is the course. That's the masterclass we're in. It's so cool. And it's so cool to have women like you in my life. You inspire me all the time. And I'm so proud of you. So tell people what else, what other programs and how they can get involved with you. And because you're up to so many things.
1: Uh, Well, thank you. Um, So first, if you want to get the book, you can go to divineliving.com forward slash book. And there's an option. You can um, get a free chapter if you want, but then you can also get the book if that's, hopefully, your desire. Um, And then anywhere on my website, divineliving.com, I've got podcasts, I've got a magazine, I've got a talk show, free videos, all kinds of ways for us to stay connected. Um, I'm on Instagram a lot at Gina DeVee. And I would say divineliving.com will be the full scope um, of all that we
0: have to offer. So cool. It's so amazing. And I was wondering, maybe you want to, do you, do you want to pray us out? I would love it. I'd be so honored. That'd be amazing. Let's do it.
1: Ah, what a beautiful time this has been. So, dear God, first and foremost, we thank you for Aaron. We know that you have created this bright soul to be such a generous spirit in this world, such a light and such an example of what truly is possible when someone connects spiritually and surrenders. And I pray over everyone listening or watching that everyone's ministry would be prosperous, that everyone would find you as they're finding themselves, that everyone would find their own unique way to be of contribution in the world, and that we would all become so much more willing to receive the expansiveness of you, to receive the bigness of you, to receive the abundance of you. I Think that most of us, especially as women, we've been taught to ask for barely enough or just a little bit or suffer silently. And we know that that is not your way, that that is not your love, and that you are way more powerful and more generous in giving than that. So in this moment, we open up to the bigness of the desires that you have placed inside of us. No longer do we squelch them or make them small, but we tap into the current biggest dream. Mm. And no matter what we have done with that dream, if we've forgotten about it, or if we in our humanness said it couldn't happen, or it would be really hard, or it would take such a long time. We release all of the shackles of that lower vibrational platform. And we open up to the bigness of this dream and we see the manifestation and the fruition of this dream as our individual realities. And we receive and claim the manifestation of this dream because you are God, you are in charge. You've given us favor. You are the one who said, yes, I choose to create you. I choose to use you. I choose to bless you. And as we all relax into this big thinking, this abundance, and this manifestation, we all pray this believing in gratitude
0: and say, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Amazing, Gina. I'm so excited. And I'm so excited for all of the men and women that are going to be touched and claim their queenism. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, it's been such a joy to be here. You asked the best questions. And Mm -hmm. thank you so much for having
0: me. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in Soul Society and Dr. Aaron Podcast. If you've had a calling to be a spiritual leader or coach, you can go to soulcide.com and check out our free training. If you've received value here, I would love it if you take a moment and give a five-star review. In exchange, I have a ton of free gifts for you. Grab your free awakening book, 40 guided meditations and digital manifesting masterclass. I also have a free money meditation and worksheet for you so you can begin to break through your scarcity mindset and claim your birthright of prosperity. You can get all of your gifts and learn about our upcoming transformational events in my bio link in both Instagram and Facebook. That's under drerin.tv, which is D-R-E-R-I-N.tv. Also, I'd love to invite you into our free private community on Facebook under groups called Soul Society. That is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash soul society. That's S O U L C I E T E. Have a divine day and may you live your truth.